I want to do what I can while I can, so when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. I would hate to look back on my life and say, I wish I'd have tried. Amen? I want to do what I can while I can, so when I cannot, I will not wish I would have when I could have. And then I want to make this statement, too, and I'll get right into preaching. Pray for the broadcast, would you? I believe probably I'm preaching 85 times a day now. Uh, around the globe, I start about uh, sometime after midnight and wind up about 11 o'clock. And you pray for us. Now, I just want to make this statement to the glory of God, Brother Martin. Our radio bill now runs $5,000 a month. Any month you want to pay, I'll take it. But God has miraculously met the bills in this downturn of the economy. I looked at the last of December and was afraid I was going to have to go to cutting back, and I even mentioned it. But I'm telling you, God has done something miraculous in showing Himself strong. And uh, I'm glad He knows where the ravens are at. Amen. And he, just, he, he can put the widow woman's meal barrel on cruise control. Amen. Amen. He's able to do it. I praise the Lord for it. Good to be here. And I want you to really pray the Lord will help me. I preached all night. Any of you preachers know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you what's truth. I was, you know, just this thing waiting on me. And, and I, I have went through about six outlines since I've been here. Y'all know what that is. And so then I got up this morning and God had something else burning on my soul. And I got up and started working on it. I haven't preached on this in a long time. But I felt like God wanted me to do it this morning. Then Brother Jonathan him got up here and sung that first song on the blood. And so I believe we're on course this morning. You pray for God's will to be done today. Look at your Bible, if you will, Exodus chapter number 12. I would love to read all those first 11 verses, but I'm going to skip them and come to verse number 12 for our reading today. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 12. The Bible said, of course, this is God speaking, where I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you, to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Keep your Bible open, please. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the study from the Word of God for this time today. Our precious Heavenly Father, again, dear Lord, this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bow before you in prayer. Father, I do want to say thank you for the joy of salvation. Lord, I want to thank you once again that you let me be born in America that you let me hear the gospel, that you saved me by the wonderful grace of God. Thank you, Father, for calling me to preach, for putting me in the ministry, for keeping me there, and Lord, for giving me the joy and the victory that I have in knowing and serving you. Thank you, our Father, by the privilege to be here in this place. Dear Lord, with this, with this, this day, with this group of people, and this time, Father, of sitting down at the feet of you, Listen to your word, and I pray, your Lord, today that each of us will be like young Samuel. May we say, Speak, Lord, thy servant, hear of thee. Lord, I sure do need you today. 
More than that, dear Lord, I want you today. I pray your will be done. Manifest your own self in the way that you desire to do. And get glory to your own self. Honor to you out of the services, dear Lord. Continue to bless the station and send in the money needed to pay the bills. Do that, dear Lord, you want to do and that that needs to be done. And for all you do, Father, I will bless you and praise you for it, dear Lord. Because I pray it in Jesus' name. For our sake I do pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Do keep your Bible open, please, for the study today from the Word of God. I am interested in that little phrase in verse number 13 where God said, And when I see the blood. And I want to preach in just a little while on the subject, What does God see when He sees the blood? Now, I do want to notice several things by a brief introduction. Let me say to you, first of all, God did not say, when I see a dead lamb. God did not say, when I see a garment made out of the wool from the sheep. God did not say, when I smell the meat cooking. Or when I eat a portion of that lamb. But God said, when I see the blood. And that got my curiosity. What's God looking for? And what did God see when He sees the blood of the Lamb here? And of course, He sees the blood of the great Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking some time ago, you know, when you talk about the blood, the liberals laugh, the modernists smoke, the skeptics ridicule, the religious ridicule, the skeptics scorn. But when you talk about the blood, the redeemed rejoice. The saints shout. And God is glorified when you speak about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I marvel at this. Can I make a statement? God is going to be God regardless of what this world does. You know, a lot of songs, a lot of churches have taken the blood out of the songbook. And may I say without a vote, a lot of preachers took it out of their pulpit. But while there's so much time to depart from the teaching of the blood, you know what God does? He lets about 75% of the top songs for the last 20 years be about the blood. Amen. Now I like the old hymns when I see the blood. I like there's power in the blood. I like what can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And order not to go. But I tell you what, I like that covered by the blood. I like when He sees me. He sees the blood of the Lamb. I like it steal the blood. Amen. And in an amazing God lets these songs and the songwriters write them and they climb to the top of the ladder. God's going to be God regardless of what this wicked world might do. And somehow He'll honor His Word, He'll honor His blood, He'll honor His name, and we can get in on it if we'll just go the flow with God. Then I got to look at this text and I got to thinking, what does God see? What did God see? What does He see? 
And I'm rambling, but I want to get this all out, then I'll preach. I want to say to these you this morning, I don't know what all God sees, but I know something He don't see. When He sees the blood, He does not see me as a sinner anymore. When He sees the blood, He does not see me as a stranger. And when He sees the blood, can I say, He sees me, hallelujah, as a son. Thank God I'm blooded in. I'm coming over with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that God looks at me, when God does look at me, He sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does He see? I want to give you five things quickly. First of all, when God sees the blood, now you know, if you know anything about the Bible, we're dealing with a type here. He saw its fulfillment in the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody with me there, aren't you? So I'm not talking about this blood just of the Lamb. I want to say, in the blood of Christ, God sees the redemption of the sinners. When Christ, when God had Moses kill that lamb down in Egypt, He said, you put that blood over the, on the upper limb, on the side post. Now, I know you know this is kindergarten, but no doubt some of that from the upper limb dripped to the floor. So if you look from the top to the bottom, from the side to the side, down in Egypt, God saw the cross. And God did not just look at the blood of a four-legged lamb. God looked at the blood of His Son. And God was looking at Calvary where another cross would be. And where blood would be applied. At the top of that cross from the crown of His thorns. At each side from the piercing of His hands. And at the front by the piercing of His feet down there. The nail piercings in His feet. But God was looking beyond that. What did He see? He saw the redemption of sinners. That deals with our purchase. I don't have time this morning, but you do know there was a great sellout. Adam sold us out in sin. You do know there was a great slavery. All of us were in the bondage of sin. Shackled and bound for hell. But oh, I want to tell you, God was looking beyond the great sale out. And God was looking beyond the great slavery. And God saw a great salvation that would set us free from the shackles of sin and the bondage of sin and bring us into the family of God. When I talk about redemption, I'm talking about our purchase. I want to say this. I'm glad I'm paid for. I'm not out on probation. I'm not on the installment plan. I'm not trying to make it. I'm not trying to hang on. I'm not trying to hold out. Thank God I am bought and paid for in full by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God saw 
that redemption that deals with my purchase. In the Old Testament, we have again the type of a redemption of a lost possession. Number one, may I say to you, there had to be a redemptive person. Someone who was related, rich, and ready to come in and redeem the lost. That's too much preaching for me to go into detail, but you've got it. Not only had to be a redemptive person, but second, there had to be a redemptive price. Those in authority had to agree on this is a price that we will take to redeem this lost property. Number three, there had to be a redemptive process. The redemptive process was the redemptive person took the redemptive price in the redemptive place and lay it down before them and picked up the title deed and walked out as the purchased possession of his own self and he carried that possession away. I want to say to you that in the redemption of my soul and in the redemption of sinners, God saw, first of all, there would be a need of a redemptive person. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let me I say to you, He's related. May I say to you, He's rich. And may I say, thank God, He's ready. Nobody had to make Him do it. He said, Lord, I've come to do Thy will, O God. But then there's a redemptive price. There's a redemptive price. Neither by the blood of his own, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood. I want to tell you, it takes, a, it takes the blood of Christ to redeem fallen sinners. No, turning over a new leaf will not work. Joining a church will not work. Taking a new better pill will not work. Why, it takes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to pay that price. Well, you know, he went to Calvary. He shed his blood, and it didn't end there. The moment he died, he took that blood and went behind the first hill, the place that God had ordained. My friend, not in this world, but in another world. I, my mind's eye, I can see him. Oh, after being down here for 33 years, after all he went through, he did not come to live, he came to die. He came, my friend, to shed that blood. And when he died at Calvary, hallelujah, the sacrifice became the high priest. And it took that blood, and not in the, this world, and not in the tabernacle made by hand, but in the heavenly set. He walked in with that blood, and he walked out, and we're called, we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. There's no redemption, no redemption apart from the blood. Number two, without that blood, and in that blood, God saw not only the redemption of sinners, but he saw the remission of sin. What can wash away my sins? I've heard that song so all of my life. I was up in Lynchburg in a meeting, and they had a deaf choir sing, you know, sign. They had two ladies who could speak 
They were singing out loud, and the others were signing. And they divided them up, you know, so many to one side and so many to the other. And as they sing and sign, now I cannot do sign language, so please, I'm not, I'm not teaching you sign language. I can just enough you will understand it. But one side said to the other, what can wash away my sins? The other side said, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Then, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, watch me just a moment. You see, it's wonderful to be purchased. But if I were just purchased, there's enough sin in my past, Brother Stanley, to send me to hell. Not only i got to have my purchase deal with, but i got to have my past deal with. <laughs> Amen. I've got thank God my sins are not just covered. Amen. I've got to get up on that on probation, hoping I don't mess up. I'm telling you, in the blood of Christ, I have remission for my sins. Well, my sins are washed away. They are gone in the blood of Christ. Now, I hope this don't kill your shot. But I want you to stay with it. It must, let me deal first of all with Old Testament types. You do know the Old Testament's filled with types. In the Old Testament type, the sin were just removed, but they remained. Are you following me? They, they were removed, Brother Ray, but they remained. There's a lot of shouting done on Old Testament types. We really need to get on over the Old Testament truth. I'm going to bring shout on the side. But there's some truth to be revealed. I've got you looking at me very strange now. It must have been a great day for Job when he learned that God had sewed up his iniquities in a bag. And you know God would be the master seamstress. And he would get a bag that would last. And you know it must have been a great day when Isaiah said that he cast a sin behind his back. And you can really make it spiritual saying God don't ever look back. But the fact is the sin remained. That must have been a good day when David found out so far as the east is from the west had to remove our transgressions. It must have been a good day when Micah said that he cast them in the depths of the sea. Y'all getting awful quiet on me. But every one of them are Old Testament types. John the Baptist is down at Jordan baptizing, and he did not say, Behold the Lamb of God that shows iniquities up in a bag. He did not say, Behold the Lamb of God that casts sin behind his back. He did not say, Behold the Lamb of God that removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He did not say, Behold the Lamb of God that cast our sin in the depths of the sea. No. You know what he said? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away. Take up away. Take up. 
away. My sins are not stored up in a bag. My sins are not cast behind God's back. My sins are not removed as far as he sits on the west. My sins are not cast into the depths of the sea. My sins are gone. 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 They no longer exist. You say, preacher, what are they? But here's where I find my consolation. Pastor, the last man that had my sins forgot what he'd done with them. And if he don't know where they're at, how do you expect me to know? Amen. The last time I saw my sins, they were in the body of Christ. Hanging on the cross, coming down, and going down. All I know is, He bore my sins to a far country. And can I say it? When He got up, my sins did not get up. My sins are cold. They're cold. They are gold. Hallelujah. My past is forever cold in the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm I love the study in Genesis 22. Abraham, a type of God the Father. Isaac, a type of God the Son. That donkey is a type of the sinner. Y'all about to kill me up here. The wood is a type of sin and that's in nature. The knife is a type of the law. The fire is a type of God's judgment. And they get there. And at the bottom of that hill, the parade, the procession stops. And the Father starts taking the wood, a type of our sin nature, off of the donkey, a type of the sinner, and puts it on the Son, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ carries that wood to the top of that mountain. The Father, Brother Ray, takes it off of the Son. Builds an altar out of it. And can I say it in just a little bit? Burns it to ashes. Now, that old donkey might go up there and pour in the ashes of remembrance and stir up some dust every once in a while. But I want to tell you, he's going to have a hard time converting ashes back to wood and tying it on his back. I'm saying to you today, my friend, you can't find them. You see, here's the thing. I rejoice in the fact my sins are gone. I don't know where they're at. God don't know where they're at. He forgot. The devil don't know where they're at. And you don't know where they're at. You're digging up. But they're gone. Hey, I am not out on probation. I am a new creature. My sins are gone. So in that blood, God saw the redemption of sinners. In that blood, He saw the remission of sin. Number three, watch this. In that blood... God saw reconciliation to the sovereign. God saw the great enmity between Him and fallen men. God saw the great divide that separated.
separated God from man. And I do want to emphasize, and I know you know this, but it's not reconciling the sovereign back to the sinner. It's reconciling the sinner back to the sovereign. Now, we old country folks have used this for years. We talk about making peace with God. I want to tell you something. We don't have anything to make peace with God with. But I want to tell you there was a man that had blood that would make peace with God. There was great enmity. We were separated. We were alien. We were strangers. We were partners. But one day when Christ went inside that veil and put that blood on the mercy seat, then I said, God's anger abated and God's wrath was appeased and God looked at that blood and for years got it called out. That altar cried out, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. But oh, when God put the blood of His Son on that altar, the altar of God said, Satisfied, 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 and we now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Colossians one twenty tells us He made peace through His cross. Romans five one tells us, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That same God who I used to did not want around, I now enjoy His presence. The same one whom I used to pray, Lord, don't come tonight. I now pray, come tonight. The word peace in the Hebrew means no friction. Now I'm telling you, you see, for all those 4,000 years, God was angry with the wicked every day. But when He saw that blood, He could offer them through that blood reconciliation, and peace with God. Let me give you the fourth one quickly. Not only in that blood does God see the redemption of sinners which deals with our purchase, the remission of sins which deals with our past. He sees the reconciling of the sinner back to the sovereign which deals with our peace. But number four, in that blood, God sees recognition in the sanctuary which deals with our praying. I want to tell you this morning, through the blood of Christ, I have access. Not only do I have access, but I have an invitation. A standing invitation. I'm invited to come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I have an invitation to cast all my care upon Him, for He cares for me. I could call New York today, and they don't know me. But I can call New Jerusalem, and they know my name. Amen. I could call the man that the world thinks is the Messiah, and he does not know who Stinnett Baloo is. But I want to tell you, hallelujah, by the blood of Christ, I have a living way open. I can walk right into His presence. I can walk right in. And He knows me by name. He knows who I am. And I know Him. And I have an invitation to come boldly to the throne of God. And I can obtain mercy. 
and find grace to help in the time of need. I read this story some time ago. Somewhere over in the land of England, there was a small lad who was stricken with a fatal disease. He had some months to live, and everybody, it's a small rural community, everybody knew him, and everybody knew the family, and everybody was touched with this thing that had entered into their life. Some of the community leaders got together and said, let's do something for me. I call him little Johnny. Let's do something for little Johnny before he gets where he cannot enjoy it. They went to his parents and him and told him what their plans was. And they asked what would be one of his lifetime dreams. What would he like to do? Is he where he'd like to go? Anybody he'd like to see? Immediately they responded, Johnny has always been interested in the royal family, the palace, the working of the king and the queen. And if he had one desire, it would be to see the king in the palace before he dies. They had their fundraisers. They got it ready. They got the chaperones. They got the people to go with them. They scheduled the ticket, the trip. They got the tickets. They arrived at the palace. As they walked up to the palace, they met a guard that said, How? State your name, your occupation, your business of being here. They said to them, we're taxpayers of the crown. They told the story. Little Johnny has been diagnosed with a dreaded disease. He's been intrigued by the political aspect of our country all of our life. And as a last-time favor, we've had the fundraisers. And we've brought him. He's here to see the king. And the guard was untouched by their story. They repeated it. He's still untouched. Finally, they lo- he looked at them and said, Listen, the law states, before I can move and let you in, you must have either identification that causes me to permit you, or you must have invitation for someone who does have identification so you can come in. Do you have identification that grants you a passage into the palace? Again, they gave their story. We're law-abiding citizens. We're tax-paying citizens of the crown. That's not enough. Do you have an invitation? No. And he said, I'm sorry. I cannot let you in. And after pleading some time, they turned to walk away. In their walking away, not far down the, down the walk there, they met a nice-dressed young man. They're weeping. The little boy is sobbing. The man stops and looks at him and said, What's the problem, eh? They told him the story. He looked at him and said, So you want to see the king, buddy boy? He said, Yes, I'd like to. Yes, we would. He said, Come with me. He walked up and that same guy who a minute ago barred the gate and said, You can't come in backed off and stood attention while they walked in. They walked on in and went past this desk and this secretary and on in and finally right to the throne itself. And the king looked at him and said, your other young boy looked at him and said, Your Honor, the king, and that's the way he dressed it, though it was his dad. This man wants to see you and told him this story. And he got to see the king. I want to tell you something. One day, I was destined to hell. 
I didn't want to go to hell, but the death sentence was signed. I heard about a place called heaven. I thought I, I, that's where I want. I'd like to go there. I'd like to go there. But oh, as I in my own fleshly attempts made an attempt to get in, I found out that I had no identification that would let me in. I had no invitation that would let me in. I was doomed and destined for the devil's hell. But when it looked like all hope was gone, I met a man who's the son of the king. And he, thank God, said to me, Would you like to go in? And I said, I would. And he said, Come with me. I came to the gate and the law that up and saluted the Lamb of God. And I come right into the Father's presence. I have identification and I have invitation through the blood of Christ. Thank God I'm accepted in the beloved. Number five. Not only that blood, he sees the redemption of sinners, remission of sin. He sees reconciling to the sovereign. He sees recognition in the sanctuary. But in that blood, number five, I wish I could preach an hour on this. Number five, he sees in that blood the retaining of my salvation. Now, though I'm saved, that is from a purchase. I am have remission that deals with my past. I have reconciliation that deals with my peace. I have recognition that deals with my praying. If it was left up to me, I could never keep myself saved. But I want to tell you something. I'm not hanging on. I'm not holding out. I'm not enduring to the end. I am not only made alive by the blood of Christ, but I am kept alive. That deals with my perseverance. I'm not hanging on. I'm not holding out. I'm not enduring to the end. It's the, it's the sacrifice that's enduring. It's the seal that's enduring. It's the Son of God that's enduring. It's the salvation that's enduring. I'm not doing it. Come on now. Say amen. Amen. But there's conversional cleansing. But then there is continual cleansing. Now, this blows my mind. If it does yours, don't feel bad. It does everybody else's too. But I, since the day I've been saved, I have never had one bit of guilt in the sight of God. The blood of Christ is continually cleansing. Now, there's a difference in cleansing and forgiveness. You never experience forgiveness until you confess. That deals with a record. But the cleansing deals with relationship. Now you think about it, if we have any guilt, blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is a man to whom God will not impute righteousness. I've really got him quietened down now, preacher. Let me give it to you in legal terms and see if you understand it. I hope it never happens to any of us. But if you have a legal problem, you hire an attorney. 
And you finally say to the adversary or your opposition, whatever it is, this is my attorney. And if you've got any complaints, send it to him. Are you getting it? I've got an attorney. And it wasn't my order, it was the judge's order. He told that, uh, that accuser, don't bother stealing blue with it anymore. Deal with his advocate. Amen. In the sight of God, I'm not perfect, but he is. That blood is. If it's left up to me, I'd fall. But he won't fall. That blood will not fail. That I am continuously saved by the blood of Christ. And I want to tell you something. I'm not worried about going to hell. I couldn't go to hell if I want to. You can't get to hell from where I'm at. There's no way to hell from where I am. One day I was I, I had this thought come in my mind. Now uh, there, there 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 are no medical doctors around. That doctor you talked about last night, Doctor McBride, he's not here, is he? He's not here. I thought one day if I could understand what my blood does to my body, I might understand what his blood does to his body. So I went to doing some study. I found these three or four things. Let me mention them. First of all, I found out that my blood has a refueling ministry. Now, I don't know where you start and your blood's circulating, but it eventually it goes from your heart to your lung, picks up the oxygen that's needed. Back to your heart, then out through your body by way of your digestive tract and picks up the nutrients needed. And, Brother Whittemore, it travels through every, and it touches every cell of your body. And it gives that cell everything it needs till it comes back with some more. <laughs> it don't give a week's supply. It just gives enough to keep it going. Amen. And I want to tell you something. The blood of Christ knows the need of every member of His body. And it knows how much you need and how long it's going to take for you to get that. I'm saying that that blood of Christ has a refueling ministry. It refuels, it brings to every one of us everything we need to keep us alive spiritually until it brings that cycle through again. But number two, not only has a refining ministry, a refueling ministry, it has a refining ministry. That same blood that drops off, Brother Star, what I need, picks up everything on that cell that would destroy it. <laughs> and tears it out through the systems of my body. Number three, I learned that blood has a resisting ministry. Infection tries to enter a new teenager to understand this. You wake up one morning, you got that little old place hurting on your face, and you say, oh, no, another another pimple, another bump, another... You don't know what I'm talking about? You know what, you know what brought that to pass? There's infection trying to get into your body that could destroy you. Now, y'all better hang on to this thing. And the head says to the blood supply, Blood for the rescue! <laughs> and that blood barricades! That's attempted by that bacteria. 
that blood is so fervent in doing its job. Oh, forgive me. I know it's gruesome, but that little white head you finally pop out. You know what that is? Some of your white corpuscles gave their lives to keep you alive. I want to tell you, when sin tries to make an interest to destroy my salvation, the head Christ in the blood to the rescue. And that blood has a refining ministry, has a refueling ministry, and it has a resisting ministry. Let me give you one more real quickly. I like it. That blood has a recognizing ministry. Some of you here today could probably testify to this. If you have an organ transplant, one of the first things they tell you and you find out, you're going to have to take blood the rest of your life. You're going to have to take medicine the rest of your life because your blood knows that's not one of its members. I want to tell you, when Christ comes back, He's not going to look for baptismal certificates. He's not going to look for church membership rolls. The blood will know its members. Amen. It'll not only be groom at the bride and tear at the body, but it'll be blood at the members. And then, thank God, that blood not only saves me, but it keeps me saved. And then last night close, in that blood, God not only saw the redemption of sinners, remission of sin, reconciling to the sovereign, recognition of the sanctuary, re, the retaining of our salvation, but in that blood, God saw the removal of the saints. He's coming back. He's coming back. And I want to repeat what I just said. He's not coming back looking for church rolls. He's not coming back looking for baptismal certificates. He's coming back to take His own out of here. And that blood is going to be the very thing and the only thing that gives us identification with the Lord and His people in going out. Years ago, years ago, I heard, I'm, I'm almost positive, it was the old Dr. M.R. Dehan on the radio. And he was preaching on the second coming. And he made the statement, said, some would say to me, but preacher, how is it that some will hear the trumpet and get up and some will not? In a voice very rasped and very worn, he said, it's just like this. He said today, somewhere across this nation, sitting in a parking lot, maybe in a grocery store, are two men and two automobiles. He said, one of them is hearing me speak as clear as if I was in the car with him. And he said, the other doesn't hear me at all. He said, you say, what's the difference? He said, one of them has the radio turned on and tuned in to the right frequency. The other one either does not have his radio on or he's tuned in on the wrong frequency. And he said, by the way, only those, the only ones that will hear the trumpet when it sounds are those who have their radio tune turned on and they're tuned in. And he said the call letters of the station is W-B-L-O-O-D. And it operates on the frequency of F-A-I-T-H. I want to say this night, please. 
If you're trusting anything other than the blood, you'll miss it. You'll burn in the flames of hell. What does God see? When you, and you know you could preach hours on other things on that. But I just want to give you those six things briefly this morning. God said, when I see the blood. It took the blood when Adam and Eve sinned to get them out of the garden. It took the blood in the day of Cain and Abel to get their sacrifice accepted. It took the blood to get Israel out of Egypt. It'll take the blood to get you out of sin in the heavens. What does God see when He sees the blood?